Hey everyone, I'm Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. This is season two of Fresh Invest, your favorite investing podcast sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. Today, we're going to talk about real estate investing, emphasis on the investing. We're going to go over ways to grow your wealth in real estate without the hassle of owning property. In a lot of ways, real estate is an attractive asset. It can be a source of stability in a portfolio when other parts are lagging. But buying a property yourself is a major commitment, even if you don't plan to live there. Being a landlord is at least a part-time job that you may not want to take on. So how can you get in the real estate game without assuming all that responsibility? As it turns out, there are a few nifty ways to do it. That's what I talked about with Fidelity's Andy Rubin for our second episode on real estate investing. Some tools you can use to get exposure to real estate without having to take calls about chip paint or a clogged toilet at all hours. Andy, welcome back on the show. Thanks, Alex. Great to be here again. So for those who missed the last episode, can you just quickly introduce yourself and explain what you do at Fidelity? Sure thing. I'm an institutional portfolio manager for real estate investment strategies within Fidelity's asset management business. Fidelity's dedicated real estate investing pursuits span the globe, as well as all major property types, and we actively invest in both real estate equity and real estate debt markets on behalf of our clients, and we've been doing this for decades. In my role, I'm tasked with maintaining deep knowledge of portfolio management philosophy, process, and construction, ensuring the portfolios are managed in accordance with our clients' expectations, as well as contributing to investment thought leadership, like this podcast. So last episode, we talked a lot about real estate as an asset class, how we think about it uh, as having a part of your portfolio, the correlation between more traditional assets. But I want to talk now, let's call it more of a micro level, which is, let's say you want to invest in real estate. What are some of the potential benefits of investing in the asset class through a financial instrument tied to the asset rather than literally buying physical property? Yeah, it's a great question and obviously key to our uh, discussion here today. So as I mentioned, and and you alluded, Alex, last time, I really feel strongly that one of the most effective and sensible ways for individual investors to get diverse real estate exposure is to do so through a professionally managed vehicle like a mutual fund, an exchange-traded fund, or one of the various private funds or partnership structures that are available in today's market, many of which come with very modest investment minimums. Now, the underlying investment holdings within these vehicles, it, it, it varies. In most of them, I would say, uh, you tend to find uh, real estate securities holdings. And so that would include things like publicly traded real estate stocks, as well as bonds. However, some of these vehicles do invest directly into properties. So whether it's a vehicle that invests directly into individual properties, or if it's one that is comprised of securities, the primary benefits tend to be similar. And I think those include low investment minimums that allow individual investors access to these offerings, the diversification potential that is just such an attractive reason to invest in real estate in general, and then the liquidity that these vehicles bring as well. This contrasts in many ways to the original, let's say, form of commercial real estate investing, which was investment in a, a single asset, a, a single building. And, and that historically required significant capital, 
inherently it was undiversified because it's a single property. And generally, that uh, would also be considered an illiquid form of investment. So it contrasts a great deal. And these professionally managed vehicles really bring a, a lot of value to the table. I mean, if there's one word that comes to mind when you describe some of the advantages of investing in a mutual fund or an ETF that has securities or properties, obviously sitting within the security is approachability. It, it just quite literally, you know, things like REITs give a wider investor base the ability and approachability to get involved in that this asset class. Could you define REITs? And also, I haven't heard of a REIG. What is a REIT? How do you pronounce it? Reg? Reg? Frankly, I I was wondering the same thing. I, I would pronounce it a reg. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, yeah. So as briefly as possible, could you define what a reg is and how it is a viable investment option for investors? Yeah, absolutely. So real estate investment trusts, or REITs, as it's commonly referred to, they're simply companies that own income-producing commercial real estate across a diverse range of property types. Now, these companies, they, they have to meet various requirements to qualify as a REIT. Many of them, but not all, trade on major stock exchanges. And so that's where the access to all investors comes. They allow anyone to invest in a portfolio of real estate assets the very same way we all invest in other industries through the purchase either of that individual company, that individual REIT stock, or through one of the professionally managed vehicles, the mutual fund or the exchange shared fund, or, or one of the others that in turn invests in the REIT shares itself. The shareholders of the REIT, they earn a, a share of the income produced from the properties. And, and, and the beauty is you get that income and all the other benefits without actually having to go out, source, buy, manage, or finance a, a piece of property. So let's talk for a second about these new real estate investing upstarts and platforms, the ones where you have the ability to invest directly in properties, you see pictures of the properties. How do you think about these as options for investors? Yeah. So from my experience, like anything, there are good platforms out there, Alex, and others that might not be so good. Like any investment pursuit, my advice is that you'll want to conduct basic due diligence on the sponsor or the manager as well as the specific investment offering itself. Now, as your question indicates, many of these platforms are new. And so that suggests they have little to perhaps no track record. And an investment in one of these, in that case, can be a bit of a leap of faith. So again, my suggestion, if those who may have an interest in these, do your homework. I would focus on the offerings that are available to you or perhaps are endorsed by the financial institution where you maintain your investment accounts. That way, you can have some level of confidence that professional level diligence has taken place and that the platform has been properly vetted. I think paying close attention to fees is of critical importance, uh, particularly within alternative asset classes or alternative investments, which real estate certainly is part of. Offerings of, of various nature often charge lofty fees those can greatly erode the net returns that investors are left with at the end of the day. So I think a, an acute focus there is real important. Great. So being cognizant of fees and also just doing due diligence, especially on any investment, but especially these newer platforms that just may not have the track record of more proven investment opportunities. Next, I'd love for you to tell me how our listeners should be 
mentally differentiating between two types of properties, properties they've purchased as investments or income producing properties versus properties they use in their personal life to live in. How should we be thinking about these differently? Yeah, it's a great question and one I spend a lot of time responding to and, and engaging on. In its simplest form, any form of income producing real estate can be defined as commercial real estate. And, and so that does include types of real estate that might be residential in nature, such as a single family home rental or an apartment rental, right? Those are residential in nature. However, they generate this recurring income. So to the owner, that's no different than owning a retail asset, an industrial asset, an office asset. That is the key. That income production really defines what is commercial real estate. Um, and as I commented on in the last episode, Alex, the primary potential benefits of investing in that income-producing commercial real estate are things like its potential to diversify portfolios that are comprised of the traditional asset classes, mainly stocks and bonds, the income generative qualities of commercial real estate, and the increasingly important potential to protect against inflation. Now, the risks or weaknesses, of course, to commercial real estate is that there is that economic sensitivity, and it varies depending on the type of asset or the property type. And so, like any investment, there is downside potential, and commercial real estate investors are generally striving to mitigate that downside risk. Residential home ownership, on the other side of the coin, is that different animal. While your home is likely your most valuable asset, I try to discourage homeowners from thinking about it as an investment, but rather as your primary source of shelter that will hopefully retain its value over time. And in an ideal world, its value might appreciate over time. Just to expand on that a little bit more, could you share why it is that you discourage people from thinking about it as an investment rather than just a source of shelter that they'll be able to have that money and retain their wealth for later in life? Why do you create that distinction? Well, I think generally, as I said, it tends to be people's most valuable asset. So it's occupying a disproportionately high percentage of your wealth to be viewed, in my opinion, as an investment. So I don't think most people would put, you know, 80% of their net worth into uh, into <laughs> into a single stock or anything. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's it's sort of that simple, in my view. That makes total sense. So one last question that we have from one of our listeners, how should this real estate bubble inform my investment strategy? I've heard the bubble term uh, recently. <laughs> and so it's a, the questioner is, is, I guess, agreeing with that. I, I tend to disagree with that notion. I don't see excess or signs that we are in a, a bubble in any way. Now, my suspicion is that the listeners referring to the, the single family uh, homeownership market, which has certainly experienced that the, the really robust price appreciation over this COVID period. Uh, that's been well chronicled. Um, interestingly, in just recent days, we've seen some data that suggests there could be a sign of a slight cooling in the housing market. So I saw some August data that appears to show a, a, a moderation in the rate of price increases and a, and a slight reduction in sales volume. So I think that's very healthy. I think at this point in time, that should be expected, just given the run that we've seen for about a year and a half at this point. Having said all of that, I think the case for housing overall and, and the fundamental story remains quite strong. And whether it's owning your own home or owning a 
income-producing piece of real estate that is residential in nature. I, I think there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic about the future fundamentals and, and demand profile in general. And I think a, a reflection of that view is if you were to look at how many of Fidelity's dedicated real estate investment strategies are positioned, they reflect that sanguine view on the future prospects for housing and the different forms of residential real estate. As a general proposition, we do have a shortage in this country of affordable housing. So yeah, that uh, I, I hope I answered the listener's question and thanks for sending that one in. Awesome. That was great. Andy, as always, thank you so much for your time and thanks for joining uh, Fresh Invest yet again. I really enjoyed it, Alex. Thanks for having me. That was awesome. It is so interesting how people come up with different ways to derive value from an asset, ways that can accommodate different levels of commitment and risk. It also goes to show how the category of investing really encompasses a whole universe of different methods of buying things whose value can appreciate over time. Like when you make a big purchase and justify it to yourself by saying, it's an investment. Thanks so much for listening in today. I really hope you learned something and make sure to tune in next week. We'll get into all things options. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey everyone, this is Erica Gunn from Morning Brew. And as their producer of Fresh Invest, I'm here to let you know that this podcast was created on behalf of Fidelity Investments by the Morning Brew Creative Studio and does not reflect the opinions or point of view of the Morning Brew editorial team. Sources are provided for informational and reference purposes only. They are not an endorsement of Fidelity Investments or Fidelity Investments products. And on their side, Fidelity is the paid sponsor of this podcast, which includes providing Fidelity personnel for interviews and publications with Morning Brew Studios on content development. Fidelity and Morning Brew are independent entities. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrated purposes only, and is not a recommendation or an offer of solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The views and opinions expressed by the speaker are his or her own as of the date of the recording and do not necessarily represent the views of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Any such views are subject to change at any time based on market or other conditions, and Fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. These views should not be relied on as investment advice, and because investment decisions are based on numerous factors, may not be relied on as an indication of trading intent on behalf of any Fidelity product. Neither Fidelity nor the Fidelity speaker can be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss occurred by applying any of the information provided. Please consult your tax or financial advisor for additional information concerning your specific situation. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and may contain copyrighted works of FMR LLC, which are protected by law. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. Fidelity and the Fidelity Investments and Pyramid Design logo are registered service marks of FMR LLC. Copyright 2021 FMR LLC, all rights reserved. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Changes in real estate values or economic conditions can have a positive or negative effect on the issuers in the real estate industry. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or guarantee against loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. See you next time.